guys, welcome back to Strip by Sia. I'm your host, Kim Chi, or Steph Sia. I have a lot of names that people call me by, but um, welcome back. I didn't expect to be back this week, but I just can't stop recording. <laughs> and because we are still in quarantine, we are still very much in this whole COVID-19 quarantining kind of business, I thought it would be a really great way to highlight what our fellow sex workers are doing and just find out how people are dealing with it, how people are coping with it, what kind of work is going on at the moment and just kind of get in touch with people that way and just connect. So um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Morgan Sexter to the show. Hello. Hello. Yay. <laughs> it is so I'm great to have you. Yes. And I've been wanting, you were on my list. Um, I, whenever I saw you at the studio, I'm like, you have to be on my show. You have to be on my show. And it's better late than never. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on and having this chat with us today. Awesome. But yeah, like tell the audience who you are, what do you do, or what did you do pre-COVID? So, yeah, I'm Morgan Saxter. I mean, I'm known by other names, obviously. But I've basically, pre-COVID, I actually, I've started working for the outreach that I'm working for 10 years ago. But pre-COVID, oh, wow. I was doing a lot of touring and exotic dancing. Mm -hmm. So I was performing on stage, touring around BC. The furthest north I went was uh, Yellowknife. Furthest oh, wow. east I went was Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, uh, you know, basically being a fancy naked woman. <laughs> I love that title. Of course. Yeah, now we've hit the point where we can't have bars and we can't entertain for big rooms full of people. Right. And we can't be close to each other. But, you know, I was really lucky because I kept, I held on to my outreach job. I've actually had, I've been working for this job since like 2010. Oh, wow. And what, what organization is that, if you don't mind sharing? It's, uh, it's, it's through uh, WISH. Oh, WISH is great. The WISH Drop and Center Society. Amazing. Yeah, but I work, I work on the outreach van. Okay. So basically... Since the pandemic started and I couldn't dance anymore, mm -hmm. I've just been, uh, I've been doing about three shifts a week working on the outreach van. And then I spend my rest of my time making masks. Oh my gosh. So many great things. Now, yeah. Now, usually I make lingerie and yes. bikinis and like wool wear, but masks are just a little bit more practical right now. Totally. And they're super like in high demand as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And I can whip them out really quickly, and I have a lot of fun fabrics that I make them out of. Oh my gosh, there's so many questions I have for you. I'm going to go in chronological order here. <laughs> I took some notes. <laughs> so tell us about the outreach program that you are involved with. What does that entail? So this uh, is a program that I believe it came about around the time that Picton got caught. Oh, yeah. the van yes. on the road a number of years now. And what it is, is we have a van. We okay. have three people on the van. We drive around various parts of Vancouver where there is sex work activity. So we go through the downtown east side. We go along Clark Street. We go into the downtown core. We go up Kingsway. Basically, I tour around the city at night and, you know, you see a lot of really interesting things when you drive around all night. Right. Totally. And we drive around and we see people and we give them, uh, we offer harm reduction supplies. So mm -hmm. safe smoking supplies, injection supplies, condoms. We also try to connect them to different resources. So like, say if somebody says to us, oh, well, I need housing or I'm um, in a situation where I really want to get clean, I want to get off the drugs, like we can connect them. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really great. But we're an essential service, so we're still running right now. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. 
And yes, I'm glad. <laughs> how did you get involved before? Like, what was your motivation to join such an organization? And for such a long time, like, that's incredible. Well, I had, um, before I had been doing some dancing at different moments, like it was years ago and I was doing some dancing and I just, I guess I had a little bit, like I had a little bit of a sex work background and I was in a situation where I was teaching pole fitness Mm -hmm. and needed another side job. Right. So I... Well, I knew the coordinator of the van and I'd heard about the van and I just, I just thought that it sounded like really good, important work. Yeah, absolutely. And like I've corporate jobs before and it's just not as fulfilling. Like it just feels like I'm, you know, part of the machine, I'm making money for somebody, but then working on the map van and being able to help people feels so much more like it feeds my soul more. Right. And you could see and actually like connect with the people that like you're helping directly as well. Totally. Totally. Right. Okay. So you, you heard about Ben, you knew, um, I guess the driver or maybe the person in in who organized that? The coordinator. Oh, coordinator. Right. Okay, cool. So then you decided to sign up or how, how, what was the process for that like? Well, I went, I, I submitted a resume to her, did a job interview. And then, um, because it's all seniority based, mm-hmm. I didn't work very many shifts at first. So I would pretty much just show up whenever somebody would call in sick or couldn't go out. Cause okay. I mean, this is a graveyard shift job. So you oh, work wow. overnight and it is emotional labor. Like, as rewarding as it may be, you really do need to be awake and be present and listen. And, you know, sometimes if you're working a lot, you can get really burnt out. So people, I feel like people would ebb and flow on and off the van. Like, I've been a part of the van for 10 years, but I haven't been working for it solidly. Like, you know, I've gone off and toured as a dancer for portions of time. You know, I've taken time off to say, train and become a personal trainer, you know, I've done different things. Right. Throughout the years. Right. Yeah. Because it is, it's a total mental job as well. Right. Like it, I would just imagine it to be just very, very heavy content, you know? Oh yeah. And, but then at, at the same time though, you know, there's some really great things about it. Like sometimes, Sometimes we're a slumber party on wheels. (laughs) Like sometimes, you know, the women come and they get on the van and, you know, they, they, they paint their nails or, you know, they look through all the different clothing donations we have. And, you know, we we giggle, we laugh a lot. Like it can be, it can be really fun, but yes, it is. It is dealing with some really dark, serious stuff. Right. But also very humanizing mm-hmm. for the women as well. So, oh, for sure, that's amazing. And a lot of the people who work on the van have uh, worked in sex work at some capacity. Do you see that as like a bit of a trend then for for those who are who are working on the van then? Oh yes, no, it's definitely part of the purpose of the van is to give people, well, women specifically, to give them opportunities to train right and do you know find a place in the job market like a lot of people will start on the van and then they'll move on to do other types of social work amazing have have you seen a lot of success stories with the outreach program because you've been there for so long there's been some really bright moments like one time I actually got to hold the newborn child of one of the women that that is a regular of the van. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And then there was another time I remember where there was a woman that we were seeing with the van for a really long time and she just kept spiraling to darker and worse places. And she was like, like after a while she was looking really bad and then we just didn't see her. Oh my gosh. And then like four months later, somebody flags the van down and it's her and she looks fantastic oh good yeah like she she gotten her teeth fixed she like you know had gained some healthy weight her skin was glowing like obviously she'd managed to find housing and work and you know like like it's 
most of the time I, I feel like, you know, because we are harm reduction model, we will see people spiral in and out. Like it's ebb and yeah, flow. Totally. You know, like you, you, you take your steps and you start to get better. And then sometimes like, like the universe throws you a loop and you spiral again, but we're just there to help. Right. Totally. And there are like a lot of different like harm reduction uh, programs out there here in Vancouver. Um, how would you say that this outreach program by Wish, like how does that differ than the other programs you would find in the city? Well, this is specifically catered towards women. Right. I mean, we also see transgender and two-spirited people. Okay. But like it's specifically towards women, specifically sex worker targeted. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, it's, it's unique in the whole, well, I feel like a lot of the outreach programs do a fair bit of peer assistance, like where, you know, say somebody who's been through the system will come in and start working. Right, right. Yeah, but like, it's, yeah, it's mostly, it's the fact that it's, it's, it's a women's organization that makes it different. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's great to kind of just specify there because... You know, women, we're so marginalized already. It's so great to have a program mm-hmm. that's dedicated for for us. Well, and female yeah. sex workers even more marginalized. Exactly. Further and further. Yeah, it's so great that there's a program like this that can help them. And it can mm-hmm. really help them. That's super interesting. And it's really cool, too, because it's really cool that you're, yourself as a sex worker, I mean, in the stripping industry, to kind of give back to the community in that kind of aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's super admirable. I feel very good about that. That is super awesome. So, look, since you've been volunteering, oh, well, love, is it is it purely based on volunteering or is it like nope, a paid position? No, this is a paid position. Oh, it is a paid they position. Do, Wish, Wish does have volunteer work mm-hmm. available, mostly through the drop-in. Okay. Because okay. the way it works is there's a drop-in center on the downtown east side. Right. right now with the COVID, the drop-in, like, normally people can come in and hang out. Right now they can't come in and hang out, but they can come in and get a shower and get a meal to go. Right. Yeah, it's not quite the same. Like, our, the service is limited, but usually volunteers through the drop-in, they'll do different drop-in type jobs perhaps in the kitchen or sorting donations because we accept a lot of different donations okay although with COVID we haven't been accepting donations the same way because of years of you know contamination yes well that's really interesting let's let's talk about that so obviously COVID is still going on I mean this really stopped everything back in March but now it's already May first week of May how has COVID affected the program at Wish and also like drop-in centers and street workers. Like there's so many different aspects we can talk about here. There is a lot of frustration on all sides. Right. Can you go into that? Yeah. As far as the drop-in goes, like I said, our services are limited. So people are upset that they can't come in and like do the things they normally do, like just hang out or watch TV or you know, access the donation room, access the makeup room. Right. Because that's, that's all limited due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as far as the staffing goes, I know like there's been like, there's been a dip in staffing because like people get scared. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Like if anybody has even the slightest bit of symptoms, they'll stop working and self isolate. Right. As you should be. Right. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that, like, it's a fast staffing turnover. Right. Uh, on the van for a while, we were down to just two people because we were trying to maintain social distance. Although we've decided, as long as we're all wearing PPE, that yeah. all three of us can work. Right, and and, and like we have been, like we wear the masks and everything at work. Oh, that's great! That's awesome. Wow. Actually, I made a bunch of masks for the crew so they'd have stylish ones. Yes. (laughs) Definitely want to get into that later for sure and like definitely plug you Mm -hmm. at the end. (laughs) Because there is reduced workers, like there's reduced staff, there's reduced everything really, reduced resources. 
how like how has the attitude been with our street sex workers how are they dealing with that like in terms of like do you limit people when they come in to the drop-in center I'm not sure if you would know that much because you're not really there too often well, I can talk about the van. I mean, normally with the van, mm-hmm. because um, the thing with the drop-in is it's it's right in the downtown east side. It's yes. near uh, two different women's housings where a lot of the uh, working women work. Well, live, I mean. Yeah. Uh, with the van, because we're remote, say we can go up to Kingsway and there's nothing open on Kingsway at night. Like right now, it's actually hard for us because we can't even use the public bathrooms right? because McDonald's is closed and yeah. like normally McDonald's would let us go in and take a pee break. Yeah. And then same with, you know, same with the women working up there. I mean, they'd sometimes hang out in the McDonald's or hang out in like the 24 hour places. They're all closed. Yeah. There's nothing open. And, yeah. And then because the van, because of social distancing, we can't allow anybody to actually come on the van. So like right. in normal times, like the women could come in and warm up for a little while and have a cup of coffee. Right. But no, nobody gets on the van. Or say if somebody's had a bad date, because we, we take bad date reports, which is like um, basically descriptions of vehicles and perpetrators that may have hurt a woman or assaulted a woman or robbed a woman. Like right. they can report to us and we have a sheet that we publish so that all the different women can read it and be aware of what's going on out there. Right. And uh, yeah, like it's, it's tricky because if somebody wants to, people aren't wanting to report bad dates anymore because they can't come into the van and talk to us. Right. So what is the general setup looking like? I guess you have, everyone has to be outside of the van. Like how, how does that work? How does that, what does that look like? They come to the van. Um, We bring, we give them like, we can give them supplies We'll do like a supply drop. Okay. So say for instance, there are some people who do house calls. And there was one house I remember that we visited where when I first asked the woman who was like the head of the house about mm-hmm. COVID, at first she was kind of like, oh, whatever. If I get it, I get it. Let's just hope everything opens soon. And then supposedly within a week, everybody in that house was coughing. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. So, really? But what we do with that house is we will leave them a bag in the alley and we'll phone them because, you know, we are concerned. Yeah, of course. About getting exposed and, you know, it it sucks. Like, you know, it always kind of feels like, you know, like even at first when I was wearing a mask and like, you know, I'm talking to these homeless people on the downtown east side and all I can think about is the social stigma. Like a lot of us were really reluctant to do it at first because we were afraid of making these people feel more judged. Right. Yeah. I was all wondering about that too, in terms of like what, what, what's happening with the downtown East side. I was just worried because if you know, one person gets it, it's can be very rapidly spread. Mm. Well, and also that chicken factory that had the outbreak, that's like yeah. right next to the Vivian, which is a women's house right near Oppenheimer Park where people hang out. And yes. like, I don't know how many times I've seen people like sitting on the steps of that chicken factory. Yes, it's so true. Yeah. Just a lot, a lot so of risk far. factors, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So far, nobody, we don't have anybody who has confirmed cases to us, but we've had people that we have referred to uh, the out, there's like a testing outreach. Oh, is there? For COVID? Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, for COVID. Yeah. So oh, we've wow. referred people to that. Right. Well, it's good that there, mm-hmm. there hasn't been any infections. And, and in general, I, I feel, and what I've heard recently, I think there's only been like eight deaths as of yesterday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But it seems like in general that the, the curve is generally flattening so far. Oh, I'm so thankful we're in Canada right now. Oh my gosh, me too, compared to our American brothers down there. Oh my gosh. Just wild. Yeah, at least our government is trying to take care of us and like, yes. you know, from a financial standpoint, like twelve hundred bucks or 
whatever that one-time payout is in the States, that's not going to oh, do anything. That is rough. I was like, how are people even going to survive with that well, that's type of why they have so many angry protesters. Yeah, totally. I get that. I totally get that. It's, it just, it's just insane. I can't imagine. We're really lucky mm-hmm. up here, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can we also talk about, in terms of like the survival sex workers, I know we mentioned in, in a really brief Facebook chat, what kind of differences they are facing too? Because I, I, I think you mentioned something about like, they're not really necessarily worried about contracting COVID, but they're more kind of concerned in terms of how it's disrupted their lives. Did you want to speak about that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. The thing that's uh, tricky with uh, the survival sex workers, there's a lot of uh, drug addiction. Right. And before the COVID even started, we were having an opioid overdose crisis in Vancouver. Yes. Uh, There was a lot of fentanyl in the drugs. There were loads of casualties happening around that community, around the downtown east side, around marginalized people who have addictions. Right. So everybody's already reeling from those losses. And then now that COVID has happened, the borders are closed. So drugs are in super short supply. Right. Yeah. And like limited drugs, I mean you get into the problem of people cutting the drugs with other toxic chemicals and more fentanyl. And then that just like aggravates the overdose problem. Right. Right. So there's that. And then also as far as uh, like the street level sex trade workers, there actually has been like, everybody's making less money. Of course. I've noticed that most of the women try to avoid going out like, like, there's people that I won't that I haven't seen a lot lately, and the common thing I hear when they're out is I'm dope sick. Really? So I'm out here trying to make money so that I can get high off the limited and expensive supply of drugs that's available in the city right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's insane. And do you, do you kind of feel by talking to these women that there's just just a general fear overall? Not because of COVID, oh. but by, because of how this is this whole cycle is. Well, there's like a lot of there's a lot of uh, I'd say yes, there's fear, but like frustration. I feel like oh. is the most overwhelming emotion that I find. Like people are really upset. Like they already feel like they have short end of the stick. Like right. You know, even before COVID, they were having trouble worrying about feeding themselves and worrying about surviving. And now it's just like even worse because, well, I mean, if you think about it, like COVID has turned everybody's world on its head. Like even the rich people are stressing right now because of the stock markets crashing. Yeah, it's affected every single industry that I know of. You know, there's not one person that's not touched by this, you know, not one person that's not affected. It's infected everyone. Oh, for sure. And then, of course, but they're like, they're already, they were already in dire straits before COVID. So now it's just magnified. Right. And it's because, I guess, with COVID, the situation has magnified because there is less access to food, less access to shelter, less access, less access to, to everything. Like right. it's just, it's harder to get everything, food, drugs, you name it. Oh my gosh. And although one thing I have to say that makes me really happy is we've had a lot of extra food donations coming in recently. That's awesome. That's super awesome. Yeah. So we- even though women can't get on the van anymore, we are sending people away with more food than we normally do. That's great. So at least we have, that's one good thing about it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you happen to know if those donations are directly to WISH? Or do you know like what, what's happening with that whole, um, I guess, process? I believe a lot of them, uh, with the food donations, I think a lot of them are from uh, other organizations. Like, I know Loving Spoonful's been giving us some of their extra stuff. Right. Another great organization as well. 
Yeah. So there are, um, like, I guess, I guess it's just like, like all of the organizations, like we all kind of know that it's rough and, you know, yeah, if Loving Spoonful has extra food, they pass some our way. Well, that's great that they're kind of like sharing the resources around and giving it to those Mm -hmm. who actually like really need it. I think that's great. Yeah. How about like you mentioned another service that the outreach program provides would be like. Uh, new and clean clothes and I, I would say that's probably donation based as well you mentioned yes it is donation based and that's something that's not happening a lot right now right yeah because I noticed like I live right by a, like a value village and the whole place is shut down they're not accepting any donations I don't even think they're open anymore you know so it's say the same that's thing really tough because some of these women who are um on the street like if you're actually homeless you get robbed a lot right like unfortunately especially once you pair homeless and addiction like serious drug addiction can make people do some really ugly things totally and you know like you'd think like if everybody's homeless they could all just look out for the other homeless people but sometimes that survival comes in and that survival they're hurting other people to survive and they're stealing from other people right yeah it's it's pretty bad it's really really bad out there and I know you know where I live I live on Hastings Street Uh, I used to have to transit every day through the downtown east side and just seeing it Mm -hmm. every day Monday uh, Monday to Friday you know morning and night just it's tough world out there really it's a rough, oh, yeah. rough neighborhood to be in, but um, can you can you share some other struggles that I would say sex workers specifically in the downtown east side are facing at the moment because of COVID? Hmm. Well, I mean, like I well, I said before, yeah, decreased customers because the customers are afraid. Yes. But like, I mean, like for instance, there's one woman that I know of who is in an abusive relationship with a pimp and Mm -hmm. basically this pimp gives her a quota of how much money she's supposed to take home. Oh God. And she doesn't make the money. And I mean, he's not beating her. I don't know if he's beating her, but like, I know that we see her out stressed out, worried about not making enough money to keep the pimp happy. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. So heartbreaking. Yeah, totally awful. That's actually, this is slightly, slightly a different topic, but I think about that, like, because I know that, for instance, in Alberta, a lot of the strip clubs have quotas. Right. And I wonder, you know, when eventually we reopen, like, what's going to happen as far as physical distancing and lap dances? Yeah, yeah. I I definitely have that on the list of things to talk about today. But if you want to chat about that now, for, for sure, we could go into it. Yeah. I know. I, I just wonder too, like post COVID and a lot of people are, are kind of like speculating what's going to happen in terms of lap dances. Like what are your thoughts on that? See in my perfect fantasy world, it would become in my perfect fantasy world, all the bars would become entertainment venues. Yes. The dancer would be <laughs> Given guaranteed stage shows, given a decent enough pay that we could survive without having to hustle for a million lap dances. And, you know, people would find a way like already tipping, like tipping is already an on-contact sport in this part of the country. Like, I mean, say if you go to Yellowknife or if you go to like parts of Ontario, they can lie on the stage with money in their mouth. But here, like you have to leave the money outside the stage or... You do the loony game if you're in Alberta. Yes, yes. But like, okay, in my fantasy world, I'd like (laughs) to believe that they'd become like these awesome entertainment venues. The reality is I worry about which clubs are even going to survive. Well, I was wondering that too, because like I remember like on episode two of my podcast, which was ages ago, we were talking about like how the strip clubs are just becoming extinct. And now with COVID, I don't even know if they're going to be able to afford to reopen totally 
Yeah, yeah I feel like there's certain clubs that are like established, long time establishments that aren't going to go anywhere. But even then, like I think about, say, the Five, which is notorious, right? But the Five is also notorious because the lap dancing there. All the guys kind of like raise their eyes, like, hey, yeah, the five. <laughs> That's where I like my lap dances. <laughs> Notoriously known as being a, being a loose club for contact. And oh, yeah. if we still have to apply social distancing restrictions, how's that going to fare? Yeah, like, how is that going to work, you know? Are they even going to permit lap dances? Are, are dancers, are... are are they going to even want to do lap dances? Because at least with like the feature well, dancers, you could be on stage and people can tip you, but there there is that barrier between the stage and like the front row. Oh yeah, for sure. Or in Winnipeg, actually, in Winnipeg they don't do lap dances at all. Oh really? Like it's just stage shows. Then without yeah, they do stage shows, and then the clubs that sell private dances have a very strict three foot rule. Kind of similar to what it was like at the Fox when the Fox existed. Oh, right. Is that more like an air dance then? Yep. Dancer dances on the platform. Guy sits in the chair. Right. No contact. No contact. Right. Interesting. But then again, look, with all the clubs here in Vancouver, it's pretty much a chair. (laughs) You know, the guy sits in, we pretty much dance on them. Like... I wonder how that is going to change. If it will change, if it will stay the same, I, I guess, who knows at this point? I would really love to believe that they just, they'll just go back to the showgirl and the paid entertainer and, you know, they'll they'll focus on hiring people who really put a lot of energy into making a good stage show. But... I don't know, just with the trends I've seen in the industry, it's going further and further away from that. And that kind of makes me sad. Yeah, it totally makes me sad, too. And that's because, like, it's such a large source of income for so many dancers, you know? Like, oh, totally. Like, are VIP girls even going to exist anymore after this? Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I know a lot of people are doing the OnlyFans thing now. Oh, yeah. Everyone I mean, and their I dog. Have... Pardon? Everyone and their dog doing the OnlyFans, including me. I haven't actually dipped my toe into that one yet. I mean, I've been considering it, but, like, my house is really awkward to film in. Make it work. <laughs> I've utilized my bed. I've u- utilized my sofa, my bathroom, my bathtub, my kitchen counter. Like, you know, I'm getting really creative. The doorway of my bedroom. Like, it's been fun, though. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I could see how it would actually be fun. It's fun. I would say, like, my own take on OnlyFans, I think it's great. I definitely do not rely on these subscriptions, but more so I definitely rely more on, like, the custom videos. Like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I kind of, like, see it, like, in the, in, a, in the form of a metaphor of a strip club. So, subscriptions to me, I see that as, like, people coming into the club and they might tip you when you're in stage, but then the custom videos, I see that as you know, the private dances, and that's where, like, the money yeah, is. Yeah, that's the money. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I know a lot of people are doing it. I think it's great. I'm, I'm just worried about the oversaturation of it. I'm worried about, I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of people pricing it super low, which is just killing it for people that have, a, you know, a bit of a higher price point. I was, t- I was talking with, uh, Luna Luck the other day and we're just seeing girls that are just charging five or six dollars for their OnlyFans and then just seeing some price ranges that people are offering for their videos like twelve dollars fifteen dollars for a masturbation video like I just for me that just isn't really worth my time yeah no I completely feel you on that and like I mean, the biggest, one of the many reasons I don't have an OnlyFans yet is that, like, I feel like since, since the initial impact of COVID, there have been very few days that I've 
felt like putting my makeup on, putting on a sexy costume. I mean, okay, somewhere in the back of my mind, I still crave that. Yes. But at the same time, I am in such survival mode between my night job and my sewing and, you know, and then meanwhile, you know, I'm worrying about family members that are sick. I'm worried about like the state of the world in general. I'm like, you know, kind of watching what's happening with like, you know, morbid fascination and just like wow okay where's the world going yeah although totally. that being said I don't know I miss being a slutty little exhibitionist so maybe <laughs> just maybe you'll see me putting some only fans out there <laughs> I hope you do <laughs> I mean yeah. I don't know like I, I love the only fans platform and I also hate it because like I'm in another Facebook group as well called quarantine titties and it's a lot of regular girls and it's just nothing wrong with this at all but like it's a lot of regular non-sex worker women on OnlyFans again charging super low prices and stuff and I don't know to me that's not really maximizing the potential of the platform at all I just feel like it's it's nothing there's nothing wrong with that like you know it's great that you guys are hustling in terms of like non-sex workers but it just kind of muddies the puddle a bit, you know, when there's just so many, I don't know, non-sex workers on there that are just, I don't know, just doesn't know how to use a platform properly for what it is for and just pricing it out super cheaply just kind of ruins it for the rest of us. That's just my own opinion, but that's just me. Oh, that's a problem everywhere in the industry. The undercutting thing, like yeah. circling back with street sex workers. Yeah. People fight about this. Totally. Like if you, if you are known on the street for doing, for undercutting, people won't like you. I mean, I've heard stories of like, you know, women coming after like sex, like street level sex trade workers coming after other workers who are doing services without condoms. Oh my God. Because, like, but that's the thing. Again, addiction and desperation will lead people to do some pretty crazy things. Right. Yeah. And Like, you're not thinking about, oh, what if I get HIV or what's going to happen with this condom estate? All you're thinking is, oh, crap, I want my next fix. Yeah. Or I need to survive, you know? Yeah, totally. Needing that money. Um, or my pimp's gonna hurt me if I don't bring this money home. Totally, totally. It's it's a real fear and a real threat, you know. <laughs> I just want to close out the conversation on street sex workers, but can you just mention what women are needing on the streets right now in terms of like hygiene or like PPE or like sanitation items or anything along those lines that you would well, observe? Well, we're always, um, like, female supplies, like tampons and pads, always very helpful. Mm-hmm. Hand warmers okay. are good because, like, even in the summertime, at night it gets cold, and if you're, like, on the street selling your ass in a skimpy outfit, it's nice to be able to tuck a hand warmer somewhere. Totally. What else is there? Uh we do take a lot of donations of like um, different sort of small size shampoos, conditioners, moisturizing cream. Great. Um, hmm, what else? Yeah, like a lot I don't of know, these like. Figure out anybody who can blow glass and make a whole lot of crack pipes. I know there's been issues with the uh, harm reduction supply for crack pipes, like. Right. I don't know exactly what's going on with it at this section and at this point in time, but I know that um, there was some funding that cutbacks and there were less crack pipes around and we were one of the few places that had crack pipes. Interesting. Wow, I would have never guessed. I, I wouldn't have known. Is there any... Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's a safe supply. Like if you're, if you're a crack smoker and you're sharing the pipe, uh, you can pass along oral diseases. Right. That's true. Right. Yeah. You would need something fresh. Something we hand out is plastic tubes that you can put on the end of your pipe, but even then the the pipes break easily. And then you see people like using jagged edged pipes and any infection they may have is just going to get worse. Right. 
It's a huge hazard mm-hmm. to to themselves. Potential hazard. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Is there any items that are COVID related that women on the street need at the moment that you would say? We can- Starting to get some donations of masks. We have a lot at hand. Actually, any if, if anybody can get us some pump jars to put hand sanitizer in, because we have hand sanitizer, but some of the containers we have are leaky. But if you can oh. get like something, some kind of a jar, like little hotel shampoo jar type of thing that you can put the hand sanitizer in is good. That's really interesting. Um, gloves are in short supply. Gloves. Okay. This is good to know. We, we've been giving out Narcan kits. Well, I mean, the Narcan kits help with uh, the overdose problem. But, like, if people ask for gloves, we'll sometimes give them a Narcan kit because there's gloves in the Narcan kit. Okay. This is all really helpful. I'll, I'll be sure to post a link for, for Wish. And they probably have, like, um, a link on, on their website indicating what they need right now in case anybody's yeah. interested in donating. So, but since we're on oh, the topic, clean socks and underwear. What's that? Clean socks and underwear. Socks and underwear. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I will definitely find that link and I'll post it in the show notes in the bottom of this. But um, mm-hmm. on that note, I know that you are making masks at the moment, which I think is super great because we can all use a mask during this time of COVID. Did you want to speak about like how you got started with that whole little gag? Well. Like I said before, I was, um, for the longest time, I've been a lingerie costume designer. I have yes. a line called Melons and Sweet Cheeks. Yes. <laughs> and it was, yeah, I was working a lot on doing different types of lingerie. I have, like, there's dancers out there. Like, I know Nikki Nindors has a couple of my pieces. Nice. And your work is amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you. But yeah, no, it started where I just got a pattern off uh, online and I had some fabric kicking around and I figured I'd just try to make a few for my coworkers on the van because we didn't have enough PPE at first. So I just made some for the van. And then next thing you know, everybody's asking me for them. Yeah, they're so kind of bad. So. Turned into a little side hustle. I mean... I don't charge a lot considering the amount of work that goes into it, but I do order, I have been ordering lots of really fun fabrics. Yes. <laughs> I've already used through all my stash and now I've got like super fun fabrics coming in. Like I have some Rosie the Riveter printed stuff and I have, um, you know, I'm going to be having some Star Wars printed stuff and I'm going to have like different fun designs on them. So that's amazing. And it's fun, mm-hmm. too, because, I mean, like, everyone's wearing masks nowadays. I mean, you guys should be wearing masks when you go outside to reduce the, <laughs> the spread of COVID. But um, I think it's really admirable what you're doing, and I think it's really great. And obviously, you must be super busy doing this, too. I have a stack of 40 on my desk right now. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> and a whole bunch more fabric that just arrived yesterday to make more. Perfect. Well, I could definitely plug you for sure for anybody who was wanting a mask or needs a few more masks. Doesn't hurt to have some more. And, and can you re- totally. can you reuse these or wash these or anything like that? Or how would you recommend taking care of them? Um, I usually hand wash mine if I'm going to wash them. But another way to uh, sanitize them is to put them in the oven for half an hour Oh, on um, kind of lower heat. Like I think it's like 70 Celsius or something. Okay. But like low heat in the oven for half an hour and you just heat them up and that kills all the germs. This is so good to know. Thank you. And do you have any tips on proper ways to wear your mask as well? You don't, you want to try to minimize touching the outside of the mask. If you go to have a smoke or have a drink or something like, and you're outside and you're wearing the mask, you don't pull your mask down under your chin. Instead, um, if it's an ear hook mask, you just kind of disconnect one side. Okay. Yeah, because you're not supposed to be touching the mask very much when you wear it. Exactly. Like I know for me, okay, like I live alone. And my, my, um, pandemic time can get really lonely without 
socializing. So my friends and I actually in the dog park, we all we all go hang out in the dog park around the time that you cheer for the frontline workers. Okay. And I won't wear a mask to the dog park because I know I might be having a drink. Right. <laughs> Which you're allowed to. Yeah, it's happy hour. You're allowed to. Just maintain your social distance. So, (laughs) yeah, we're all six feet apart. Our dogs are running around in crazy circles. We're cheering for the frontline workers. I mean, it's a way for me to hang out with my neighbors and not be a total shut in. Totally. Yeah. Because isolating is another thing. Like, it's just really lonely, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And can be kind of detrimental to your health, too. So, No, I'm super lucky that I haven't had any physical health symptoms at all. Like, I haven't had any reason to need to fully isolate since this began. That's great. That's so good to hear. I'm so glad you're taking care of yourself because I miss seeing you. (laughs) Uh, I miss seeing you too. (laughs) But before I let you go, uh, there is some (laughs) Q&A. Sure thing. Just like any real episode of Strip by Sia. But let's get started here. Where did you get that hazmat suit? (laughs) I made that. That's oh, you made my creation. It. Oh my god! It's yeah, it's totally one of a kind. Actually, I, I, I want to cover it in rhinestones and turn it into a signature piece. Please do. I I strongly support that idea. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the show that's associated with it, and like the sh- that show keeps evolving, and it's it's just such. I don't know. It's interesting. It always gets a good reaction. Totally. (laughs) Uh, What do you miss most about dancing? Oh, my God. The public interaction. Yes. The people. Yes. The, uh, you know, that that seeing my, I I, I miss all my work friends. Like, every time I go on a booking, I make new friends. I miss, like, the adventure of, like, being on the road and seeing different places. you know I miss fat fat stacks of cash every day I do miss that I miss all of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. nice to reminisce you know upon so (laughs) but hopefully soon things will get back up and running (laughs) so fingers crossed I wish we could start like a drive-through strip club like in Oregon I know they always have cool things going on down there like with the whole like uh, Boober Eats thing, Boober Eats PDX, like a delivery system by strippers, which I think is super fucking cool. Amazing. I heard Shade in um, Edmonton was doing something like that. I've got little Shade or Diamonds. One of the Edmonton clubs was doing something like that. Really? Oh my God, that is so cool. That's yeah. super incredible. I'll have to again try to get in touch with somebody there <laughs> to verify that information. Super cool. Where were your favorite clubs to dance at? Um, I enjoyed going to uh, Fort St. John because I like uh, I like the fact that the North Pole has a spin pole. Yes. Basically, oh, like, really? I like any pole, any club that has a spin pole. I didn't get enough bookings at them. The Caddyshack always felt kind of cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good time there. Yeah, like it's like the Caddyshack was just kind of chill and like I felt like I'd see a lot of sort of regular people there. I oh, I miss the Alder. The Alder yeah. was another one. Like I get not the most like glamorous fancy club, but it was an easy gig. Yeah, and cozy too. Well, yeah. Well, I mean it was hard in the sense that you're on stage every hour and a half for, like for 12 hours a day for however many days a week but whatever it's interval training yeah yeah totally that's a hustle <laughs> it's a workout yeah <laughs> and the last yeah. um yeah yeah I miss being on stage yeah <laughs> I hear you I just miss dancing in general I don't even have a pole at home so I'm just like humping my couch half the time so <laughs> I have a pool, but like no kicking room. Oh shit! Yeah, that's tricky because you need space. Oh yeah, my my legs, especially if I'm wearing my my super tall shoes that I like to wear, my legs are like just kick everything. <laughs> the last question here is the first. What what's the first thing you're going to do post COVID? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> hug people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, realistically, hug people. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's so many things, lots, really. 
lots and lots of hugging people and then i don't know if i can dance if, if i can find a way to dance i will dance yes i'm with you on that one oh, <laughs> studio time oh studio yeah definitely i freaking miss the studio so much so much mm-hmm. i am yeah that's the only thing missing in my life right now everything else is great except for not dancing and no studio time so I guess the gym in your building is probably closed too, eh? It is. Yeah, like everything is closed. I've been doing my like home workouts, home yoga, home handstands, home everything. <laughs> it's definitely a change in attitude and everything. It's a bit of an adjustment, really. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, before I let you go up, where can people find you? All righty. Well, I'm on Instagram, Morgan Sexter. Yes. I also have recently made an Instagram for Melons and Sweet Cheeks. I haven't posted anything to my Melons and Sweet Cheeks Instagram yet, but I have made it. Okay. So I'll get some followers there. I will be posting my mask offerings as soon as this batch is finished. Oh, great. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, as time goes on, as I, you know, get more pictures, like I have, I've made so much stuff. Like a big part of my problem is that I can't keep up with, like, as far as getting photos and documenting everything, I'm always making way faster than I can document. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I'm hoping that I can start getting, like, I'll probably just be posting masks on my melons page at first but i will also start posting pictures of lingerie and hopefully yay. lots of pictures of hot people wearing lingerie yay <laughs> no problem yeah. with that that's amazing truly talented it was so good to have you on thank you so much for sharing your insight on awesome um, well thanks for having me yeah no problem anytime it's just so nice to you know hear what everyone's up to what what you're doing the outreach program I think is totally incredible really great resource I'll be sure to plug all that as well as Wish Foundation and everything that you do so thank you again for coming on the show Miss Morgan Sexter and you are most welcome (laughs) and that's it for a strip by Sia who knows there might be another mini bonus episode or another mini COVID series episode next week I'm still kind of working on it but stay tuned Uh, don't forget to like rate subscribe and follow strip by Sia or my personal Sia stuff and I'll catch you guys in next Sunday thank you so much all right bye. bye Listening to Stripped by Sia, produced and hosted by.